It is a great favor of God Almighty upon us that He enabled us by His grace to accept the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam. He enabled us to believe in that ardent devotee of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whom he addressed and mentioned with the words, Our Mahdi. And this indeed is a display of great love and the lofty status of nearness which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, conferred upon the promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi by addressing him by saying, Our Mahdi. On the one hand, the Promised Messiah has stated about Islam in his writings that it is the most excellent religion and he also countered those who raised allegations against Islam and thereby proved that if any true religion exists today and such a religion indeed does exist which enables one to attain the nearness of God Almighty and to get rid of sins then it is indeed only the religion of Islam. And on the other hand, the Promised Messiah has also delivered countless discourses in his speeches, writings and various gatherings for the Tirbiyat, i.e. the moral improvement of the members of his community. And these serve as a guide for us at every step of the way and are a means of our guidance. The Promised Messiah earnestly advised his followers to fulfill their duty towards their bath, 
i.e. the oath of initiation and to become true believers Therefore, we should always keep those words of the promised Messiah before us for they are the means of our spiritual development It is through these means that we can attain an understanding of the faith and also find the ways to attain the nearness of God Almighty And it is through these means that we can reach the secrets and the deep insights of the Holy Qur'an. And it is through these means that we can recognize the status of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And also it is through these means that we can improve our state of faith and the state of our belief. And it is through these very means that we can then better ourselves. However, it would be extremely unfortunate if we did not benefit from the treasure despite having it in our possession. The strength and the holy power that exists in the words of the promised Messiah cannot be found in anyone else's words. And indeed, why should it be? After all, the promised Messiah is the Imam whom God Almighty has sent in this age under the servitude of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for the revival of Islam and also to enable mankind to attain the nearness of God Almighty. Thus, it is incumbent upon us, who claim to have come into the birth of the promised Messiah I entered his community, that we read and listen to his words and then try to act upon them. And also, that we then improve our condition to the standard which the promised Messiah expected from us. At this moment in time, I will now present some of the sayings of the Promised Messiah that form a code of conduct for our lives. They represent a goal and an objective which he has put before us. The Promised Messiah has explained as to what the standard of an Ahmadi should be and how he should behave. The importance of these sayings has increased significantly in today's materialistic world where the preferences of some of us have moved more towards this world and where not enough importance is given to one's faith and in terms of our doctrines or beliefs we call ourselves Ahmadi Muslims however many practical weaknesses are showing up within us In light of the writings of the Promised Messiah each and every person is able to assess their condition as to where they stand at the moment and where they ought to be. 
and also that what is righteousness, aitakwa, and what is the standard of righteousness, and what is virtue, and what is the standard of virtue, and what are our responsibilities. In relation to this, the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, states on one occasion, with regards to true righteousness through which a person is able to acquire the pleasure of God Almighty God Almighty has repeatedly stated that Ya that is O ye who believe fear Allah furthermore God Almighty has also stated that meaning that verily Allah is with those who are righteous and those who do good. The promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, further states, to abstain from vices and sin is called taqwa, i.e. righteousness. Furthermore, muhsinun, i.e. those who do good, are those who not merely abstain from vices and sin, but also perform virtuous deeds. In addition to this, God Almighty has stated that لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُ husna. That is, that they perform these virtuous deeds in the best possible manner. The promised Messiah further states that I have repeatedly received the following revelation that That is, Allah is with those who are righteous and those who do good. The promised Messiah states that I receive this revelation in such abundance that I am unable to keep count of it and only Allah knows whether it has been revealed a thousand times. He further states that the purpose of this is so that the Jamaat understands and realizes not to rejoice merely at the fact that they have entered the community or to become merely pleased with a superficial claim of faith. However, you will only receive the company and help of God Almighty when you adopt true righteousness along with performing virtues. The promised Messiah further states that a person should not pride himself on the mere fact that he does not commit adultery or that he has not murdered or killed anyone or that he has not committed a theft. The promised Messiah further states Is there any excellence in the fact that he prides himself in abstaining from vices? The fact that we have abstained from vices or sins carries no significance. The promised Messiah states, The truth of the matter is, and the reason for why one does not take pride in this, is that he is aware that he commits a theft, he will be imprisoned in accordance with the law, i.e. he will be caught, punished and imprisoned. The promised Messiah further states, that in the sight of God Almighty, Islam does not simply mean to refrain only from vices. This is not the entirety of Islam. Rather, until a person abstains from vices and performs virtues, he will not be able to survive in the spiritual world. Virtuous deeds serve as nourishment. Just as a person is unable to survive without nourishment, in the same manner he is unable to survive without adopting virtuous deeds. Thus, abstain from vices and adopt virtues, as this will grant you spiritual life.
Then, certain vices are such that a person does not even realize that he is committing them. However, a time comes when he is seized by God Almighty on account of those very sins and vices. In relation to this, the Promised Messiah states that some sins are prominent, such as telling lies, committing adultery, to betray someone, giving false testimony, and usurping the rights of others, and shirk, i.e. associating partners with God, etc. However, some vices are so subtle that a person does not even realize when he becomes entangled in them. He starts as a young man and turns old, yet he does not even realize that he is committing those sins. His life passes by whilst committing those sins, and he considers them small and insignificant, yet he does not realize. The Promised Messiah has given examples of such sins, that is, for instance, the habit of complaining, or expressing grief over small and trivial things, or gossiping, and so on. The Promised Messiah states that such people consider this to be completely insignificant, whereas the Holy Qur'an has declared this to be of great significance. These small and insignificant aspects such as complaining ultimately take on the form of backbiting, and it is for this reason the Holy Qur'an has declared this to be of great significance. Hence, God Almighty has stated, that That is, that would any of you like to eat the flesh of his brother who is dead? Thus, God Almighty becomes displeased at the fact that a person utters such words which would degrade his brother. Therefore, God Almighty has stated that would any of you like to eat the flesh of his brother who is dead? The Promised Messiah states, that God Almighty becomes displeased with the fact that a person utters such words as would degrade his brother and acts in a manner that would cause him harm. In other words, one should not even utter such words because then such utterances develop into complaints and then people begin to hold grudges and they think ill of others and backbite and ultimately a person reaches a stage where he then physically tries to also cause harm to the person. The Promised Messiah then states that to make a statement regarding one's brother which would prove him to be ignorant and foolish or which would secretly form a sense of enmity and disrespect regarding his habits these are all forms of evil habits. The Promised Messiah states Similar is the case of miserliness and anger, as they are all vices. Being greedy and getting angry are vices. Hence, in accordance with this commandment of God Almighty, the first step of a person is to refrain from this and to continue to abstain from every form of sin, whether the sin is related to the eyes, ears, hands or feet. One should continue to refrain from sins which should be committed through any of his limbs, as God Almighty has stated, لا تقف ما ليس لك به علم إن السمع والبصر والفؤاد كل أولئك كان عنه مسؤولا. That is, do not follow that of which you have no knowledge, as the ear, eye, heart, and every limb will be called into account. 
when a person will stand before God Almighty after he dies, these limbs will be called to account. The promised Messiah والسلام, states that many vices are formed merely as a result of thinking ill of others. For instance, to hear a certain thing about someone and then immediately believing it to be true without looking into the matter. The promised Messiah والسلام, states this is an extremely bad habit. Do not allow a matter which you are not absolutely sure of and certain of to take root in your heart. And this principle serves to prevent thinking ill of others, as a person should neither allow a matter which he has not witnessed or correctly decided to affect his heart, and nor should he utter such words from his mouth. The Promised Messiah further states that how powerful and strong is this principle for there are many people who will be seized on account of their tongues. Hence, if we refrain from thinking ill of others, then half of the disorder, disputes and grief in our society will be eliminated, and unity and harmony will be formed. The Promised Messiah states, Even in this world it can be observed that many people are seized on account of their tongues, as a result of which they face great humiliation and harm. They say something and are caught, and if it turns out to be untrue, they face humiliation. Therefore, it is better not to think ill of others, and to think positively about others. If you hear something, then investigate the matter. For humans are weak, and some thoughts enter our hearts, but if we ignore them, then God Almighty forgives. However, God Almighty does not hold a person accountable merely on what passes in one's thought. Rather, he holds a person accountable as a result of acting upon them. In relation to how God Almighty seizes and holds a person accountable, the Promised Messiah states, now there is no punishment for the momentary and fleeting thoughts that pass through a person's mind. For example, if someone has a desire for acquiring certain wealth, although it is a kind of greed, but the mere fleeting desire is not enough to deserve punishment. However, if you entertain such thoughts, and start scheming to acquire that wealth through improper means, such as making a saving through tax evasion, then God Almighty does not hold you accountable for just having the thought, but only if you act on such thoughts. For instance, if you harm the government by evading tax, or do not declare your true income for the gender, a financial contribution. And if, you are, and if you conceal the truth, it is then that God Almighty holds you accountable. And there are many examples where people's incomes then gradually start to also go down according to what they had declared for paying the government's dues or God Almighty's dues. The Promised Messiah further states that then it becomes a sin for which you are held accountable. When one decides to go through with their plan and they use unfair means and deception for it, that is when one becomes accountable for it. 
when materialistic people and businessmen or others want to acquire something through improper means and act on those thoughts and start planning and scheming to achieve their desires, the promised Messiah والسلام, says, then that is a sin for which they will be held accountable for. And these type of sins are usually ignored, but they become a means of one's destruction. Generally, people manage to avoid big and clear sins. The Promised Messiah states that many people will never have killed anyone and never committed murder, nor ever robbed anyone or committed theft, or avoided major sins such as these. However, the question is, how many are there who do not whine or complain, who do not engage in backbiting or bad assumptions? And how many are there who do not hurt their brother's feelings by insulting him? Or how many are there who do not utter any falsehood? Now there are many types of falsehood and God Almighty has enjoined upon the Muslims to avoid even the smallest degree of falsehood and to be completely truthful in all their dealings. The promised Messiah states they do not stay firm on their fleeting bad thoughts. So how many people are there who do not follow through on the impure thoughts? The Promised Messiah states that I can say with certainty that there are very few who have never hurt anyone, nor have complained about anyone, who do not engage in bad assumptions about people or falsehoods and do not entertain impure thoughts. The Promised Messiah states that there are very few who take care of these things and fear God Almighty. Those who avoid all these bad deeds refrain from these owing to the fear of God Almighty. Otherwise, the Promised Messiah states that there are many who frequently lie and complain about others, and when they are sitting amongst friends, they hurt their weak and helpless brothers in many ways. Think about your own gatherings. If everyone reflects on their own gatherings, they will see that there is a lot of backbiting, insults and exaggerations, and people are made fun of, and this creates bad blood amongst people. Therefore, this is the standard of good deeds, in that one should avoid all such vices which do not behove a believer. The Promised Messiah then states that God Almighty states that the first step is to develop taqwa, i.e. righteousness. The Promised Messiah says that at this moment I cannot go into the details of the bad deeds. The Holy Quran, however, is full of conjunctions of what one should do and what to abstain from, from start to finish. Things one should do or not are described in detail in the Holy Quran. And a mu'min, i.e. a believer, should read and understand the Quran.
The Promised Messiah والسلام, then states that there are further several hundred branches of these injunctions that have been described. But in summary, I tell you it is completely unacceptable to God Almighty that you create disorder on the earth. God Almighty wants to spread unity in this world. A person who hurts his brother, commits injustice or dishonesty, is an enemy of unity. And such behavior cannot bring about unity, love and brotherhood. The Promised Messiah والسلام, then further states that true unity is impossible unless such evil notions are done away with. Therefore, taqwa is the first step, i.e. righteousness. And this is the blessing of being one jamaat, i.e. one community, by creating unity and togetherness. And this is the purpose of the advent of the Promised Messiah and this was the very purpose of the coming of the promised Mahdi that is to unite Muslims on one hand and to create one Ummah The promised Messiah والسلام, then states that it has also been observed that when people are sitting in a noble gathering then mostly their hearts are impressed and they find these things good Meaning, when listening to noble things, for example now, listening to the sermon, many people are sat here, and many are impressed, and many people write to me after, afterwards as well. However, the promised Messiah والسلام, states that when they go away from that gathering and go back to their friends, their old ways start to prevail again, and they forget all the good things that they had heard. Therefore, this is the reason why I say that we should continually repeat these things and keep them at the fore, so that we are reminded of them lest we forget. The Promised Messiah then further states that one should avoid going back to their old ways. You should stay away from the company or gathering that instigates such behavior. And you should be aware of all components of these bad deeds, as it is imperative to have knowledge of what you are seeking. Meaning, if you desire something, then you need to be aware of what you are asking for, whether it is good or bad. We should know about its good or bad, bad aspects, so that we can leave it if it is bad or take it if it is good. The Promised Messiah then further states that how can you acquire something if you don't know what it is? The Holy Qur'an gives these details repeatedly. Therefore, read the Holy Qur'an again and again and make a written note of all those deeds which the Holy Qur'an has described as evils and then you should try to avoid them through the help and grace of Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah states that avoiding evil deeds is the first stage of taqwa, i.e. righteousness. And the God Almighty will enable you to avoid bad deeds if you make an effort. And then you will be blessed with the camphor drink that will cause the desire of sin to cool down. It is said by the physicians that camphor helps calm down emotions. And it is for this reason that people also use it in medicines. 
The promised Messiah والسلام, has given this example here in the context of spiritual disease. That avoiding evil deeds will become a camphor drink for you, cooling down your passion for sin, eventually making it go away. And thereafter you will only do good deeds. But unless you observe taqwa, this drink cannot be granted to you and nor will your prayers be heard or accepted. If one wishes to have his worship and prayers accepted, then ultimately he must refrain from evil and carry out good deeds. For this is taqwa, i.e. righteousness. For one's prayers to be accepted, it is a necessary condition because God Almighty states that innama yataqabbalullahu minal muttaqin that is, that Allah surely accepts the worship of the righteous. And it is absolutely true that the prayers and fasting of the righteous are accepted. And what is the acceptance of this worship and what is meant by this? Whilst expounding upon this, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, states, that the acceptance of prayers signifies that the effects and blessings of prayer have been inculcated in the supplicant and as long as these blessings and effects are not produced, then it is merely for show. What benefit can there be to that prayer and that fast which one performs in the mosque but then also criticizes and complains about others? People often ask, how can we know if God Almighty has accepted our prayers or not? The sign of this will be that after one's prayers and supplications, one must see if a major and minor sins are being dispelled. If we are developing a hate for them, if we are turning our attention more to carrying out good deeds, and if we are moving towards truthfulness more and more. If not, then these acts of worship are merely pretense and for show. The Promised Messiah further states that they pray in a mosque and in the same place they begin criticizing and complaining about others and begin thinking ill of others and speaking ill of them and become dishonest in their trust. And this is something that the office bearers should also pay particular attention to, that they should not spread what is mentioned in their official meetings of the Jamaat to their household members, nor unnecessarily to any other person. And there should be a restriction on this. The majority of issues and troubles occur as the official affairs are leaked to others around. Then jealousy is displayed regarding the station of others and someone's honour is attacked etc. The promised Messiah states that if one is engulfed in such evils then prayer has been of no avail to him. There are many young people whom I learn about personally and they also write to me regularly that they witness such things in certain office bearers and elders which then make them slowly move away from the Jamaat then they move away from the mosque and then they move away from the worship 
and ultimately they move away from God. Therefore, such prayers are not only of no benefit to the individual themselves, but they also harm others through them. Hence, if we wish to protect the next generation, then first of all the office bearers and the elders must adopt taqwa, i.e. righteousness. The promised Messiah further states that the first hurdle a man who wishes to become a true believer faces is to abstain from doing evil, and this in itself is taqwa, i.e. righteousness. On another occasion, the promised Messiah states, Bear this also in mind that taqwa righteousness does not just mean to refrain from major sins, rather one must stay away from the most subtle of evils as well. For example, to sit in such gatherings where others are being mocked and ridiculed in a wrongful manner, or in such gatherings where God and His Messenger are being ridiculed, or where brother's dignity is being attacked, even if he doesn't see eye to eye with him, because in the sight of God Almighty it is still a sin. To sit in such gatherings and to listen to such words of these people is also a sin in the sight of God Almighty. Even if one is not participating in such talk, then why even listen to it? This is the trait of those people who have an illness in their heart, because if they were completely aware of the reality of sins, then why would they even perpetrate it? And why would they sit in such gatherings to listen to what is said in them? Promised Messiah further states, Also remember that the one who listens to such talk is the same as one who utters it. Those who utter from their tongues such things are clearly liable to retribution. They clearly are deserving of punishment because they have committed a sin. However, those who quietly listen to this will also be liable to punishment, for that is also a sin. They too will be guilty and they will also go astray as a result. The Promised Messiah then states that you should listen to this very carefully and greatly ponder over the Holy Qur'an because it is the commandment of God Almighty and so you should firmly keep this in mind. Hence, those who quietly sit enjoying listening to such ill talks, they will also be questioned before God Almighty. The Promised Messiah further explains that a believer is not happy over the fact that he has not committed a sin. And this is something that has been mentioned previously as well. This is something in the pious people of other religions and nations as well, rather in the majority of people, that they do not commit sins. Hence, the Promised Messiah states that there are those among the Hindus, the Christians and other nations who do not commit sins. For example, they do not lie, they don't usurp the wealth of others and they do not take loans and then not repay it. Rather they return it and are active in their social affairs. But God Almighty states that he is not pleased with one who merely refrains from committing a sin. Of course, one should refrain from sin but in parallel with that he must carry out good deeds and without this there is no salvation. He who is prideful over the fact that he has not committed a sin is unwise. 
Islam does not merely take man to this stage and leave him there. Instead, it desires to fulfill both parts, that is, to forsake each and every evil and to do good deeds in all earnestness. As long as one does not possess these two qualities, he cannot attain true salvation. The Promised Messiah والسلام, then states that I once again urge my community to excel in righteousness and decency. It is then that God Almighty will be with you. That is, verily Allah is with those who are righteous and those who do good. The Promised Messiah then states that bear in mind that if you fail to adopt righteousness, i.e. taqwa, and partake fully of the virtue which God Almighty desires from you, then you will be the first to be destroyed by God Almighty, as you have accepted a truth but denied it in practice. That is to say that you have accepted the Imam of the age and claimed to be better than all other Muslims and treading the path of doing good deeds. But in reality, if you are void of taqwa, i.e. righteousness, then you are in denial of it. Therefore, never rely on this, and nor be proud over the fact that you have taken the bath, i.e. the oath of initiation. As long as you do not fully adopt righteousness, you shall never be saved. God Almighty has no affiliation to anybody, nor does He accept the favours of others. Those who oppose us are also his creation, as are you too. The adversaries are the creation of God Almighty as well, and we too are the creation of God Almighty. So mere affirmation of religious belief will be of no avail if your words and deeds are not in harmony with one another. If the belief of other Muslims is also that God is one, and that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is Khatamun Nabiin, i.e. the seal of the Prophets, and that the Qur'an is the final law, this is our belief as well as theirs. However, if there is an inconsistency in your words and deeds, then your beliefs will be of no benefit. Therefore, this in reality is what we should be striving to achieve. And it is insufficient to just accept Islam, and it is insufficient to become an Ahmadi. Rather, one must mould himself in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty, and to become a true believer, as God Almighty expects of us. The Promised Messiah then states, God Almighty wishes for you to demonstrate practical truth, that is, for one to show truthfulness through their actions, so that God Almighty may support you. If you become negligent in showing mercy to God's creation, kindness, virtuous deeds, compassion, humility and meekness, then I am certain that such a community will be the first to perish and this is something I have stated on many occasions. The Promised Messiah then further states, In the time of Prophet Moses, despite the fact that Moses was present among his people, they did not show any regard for the commandments of God Almighty, and as a result, they were punished with roaring thunder and lightning. The Promised Messiah further states, Do you then believe that by simply pledging allegiance to me you will be saved? Then advising the community about giving precedence to faith over worldly endeavours, the Promised Messiah quotes the examples of the companions and says, It is not an easy condition to adopt, whereby one is always ready to sacrifice worldly endeavours for one's faith and to adopt righteousness for the sake of God Almighty.
The Promised Messiah further states, What was the example shown by the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? They were prepared to sacrifice their lives in the way of God Almighty. Thus, this is the inner condition that one must develop, and it is not a simple task to offer one's life in the way of God. However, the condition of the companion was such that they easily fulfilled this obligation. When it was commanded for them to lay down their lives in the way of God, they never inclined towards the world. Thus, it is imperative for you to give precedence to your faith over all worldly pursuits. In recent weeks, I have been narrating incidents from the lives of the companions, and extraordinary incidents have come to light in how they offered immense sacrifices, and how they would inculcate virtuousness within themselves, and how they would excel in righteousness, and what their levels of worship were. It is for this reason that they serve as a model for us, regarding whom the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that my companions are like the stars. Whichever from among them you decide to follow, they will guide you to the right path. Therefore, the companions serve as an excellent model for us. The Promised Messiah then states, The one whose main objective is to gain material possessions and then joins my community, in the eyes of God Almighty that individual will not be counted among this community. In the eyes of God Almighty only that individual who forsakes this material world will be considered to be part of this community. The Promised Messiah elaborated on this point by saying, No one should harbour this thought that through abandoning the material world they will perish. The thought that if one inclines towards this world, then they will perish is one that can lead man far away from the path of God Almighty. The Promised Messiah further states, God Almighty never permits the one who becomes attached to him to go to ruin. Rather, God Almighty becomes their guardian. God Almighty is the most honourable. Whoever forsakes something to follow the path of God, he will discover that very object in his path. I tell you truly that God Almighty loves only those people who act according to his commandments and the progeny of these people is blessed. It has never occurred, and never can it occur, that an individual who is truly obedient to God suffers ruin, nor does their progeny suffer this fate. Only the lives of those are ruined, who abandon God Almighty and incline to this material world. Is it not true that every matter is in the hands of God Almighty? Without God nobody can win any legal case or achieve any kind of success, and nor can they feel any sort of ease or happiness. The Promised Messiah further states, It is quite possible that one accumulates a vast amount of wealth. But who can say with full certainty that after that individual's death, his wife and children will be able to make use of that wealth? There are many examples before us in which that wealth goes to waste or is usurped. The Promised Messiah then states, Reflect over my words and then bring about a transformation within yourselves. He then further says, Until now, whatever praise has been lauded on the Ahmadiyya community or Ahmadis, that is only as a result of God's attribute of sattar, i.e. the one who conceals faults. However, whenever a trial of hardship befalls an individual, then that trial exposes a person's faults, and at that time the disease in their heart spreads, causing one to perish. The standard of piety and virtue in the era of the Promised Messiah to which he is referring to was far greater than that of today. Yet even then, the Promised Messiah had a yearning in his heart. Today, we know our own conditions and can analyze where we stand, what our claim is and what our standards of piety are. 
Then further elaborating on who is a true believer, the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, states that always remember that in the eyes of God Almighty, a believer and the one who truly enters into this community is one who gives precedence to faith over worldly pursuits, just as they affirm in the words of the Ba'ath, i.e. the oath of initiation. If they then give precedence to worldly pursuits, they break this covenant, and in the eyes of God Almighty they are sinful. The promised Messiah then says, You should surely remember that until one's practical state is not reformed, one's verbal statements account for nothing and are mere statements alone. True faith is something that penetrates the heart and then bears testimony through one's physical deeds. Hazrat Abu Bakr and other companions anhum, peace be upon them all, had true faith because they sacrificed all their wealth and also even their lives in the way of God Almighty and thought nothing thereof. The promised Messiah states, I always wonder, and through this con- contemplation the grandeur of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, becomes etched on my heart, as to how blessed those companions were, and also how effective was the spiritual power of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that it thrust a nation to such a lofty station. Reflect over the original condition, and to where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, raised them to. At one time their state was such that they would indulge in every forbidden act as if it were a mother's milk for a child. They would readily commit every act of evil, theft, drinking alcohol, adultery and instigating rebellion and strife, in short which sin was present that they did not carry out. However, the influence of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's company and his moral training was so great and had such a profound effect that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him himself bore testimony by saying Allah Allah fi ashabi meaning that they removed the garb of mortal men and became a manifestation of God Almighty's attributes. Their condition became like that of the angels in that they would act exactly in the manner that they were commanded to do so. The condition of the companions was such that all their desires and passions were completely abolished. The Promised Messiah والسلام, then mentioned that having performed the bad, i.e. taking the oath of initiation, every Ahmadi must become like a strong branch for the community. And then even in the time of the Promised Messiah والسلام, he advised us to remain attached to the institution of Khilafat that will begin after him as this would be an institution that will be eternal. The Promised Messiah والسلام, states that branch which does not remain attached to the tree eventually withers and falls off. And that individual who has sincere faith never worries for material possessions. In spite of this, they are in turn granted every kind of material wealth. Blessed is the one who gives precedence to their faith over all worldly matters. However, the one who gives precedence to their worldly endeavours over their faith, they are nothing but a lifeless body who will never see the face of true divine succour. One can only derive benefit from this pledge of allegiance when one gives precedence to their faith and then strives to progress in this regard. The pledge of allegiance, i.e. the birth, is a seed which has been sown on this day. And now if a farmer remains content with merely planting a seed and assumes that all the precautions have been taken but fails to undertake those set measures by which fruit is obtained, i.e. he does not plough the field or water the field or use appropriate fertiliser, 
and nor does he use any other means by which to protect the crop, then can such a farmer expect to yield any fruit? The surrounding areas here are also farmland, and many people that have migrated here on a refugee status or have sought asylum have come here from villages. And so they also know that if a seed is sown, but then the appropriate precautions are not taken, then one cannot yield any crop. Thus, to all those who have migrated here, I would also like to say that now your situation has improved and you are free to practice your faith and can fulfill the rites of your worship. And there is nothing preventing you from openly professing your religion. Therefore, it is vital for every Ahmadi, and especially those who have migrated from Pakistan, that every one of you should strive to give precedence to your faith over all worldly pursuits. And you must employ all your strengths in order to act on the commandments of Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah then states, The one who does not safeguard the orchard or field of crops, it will most certainly go to ruin. The individual who becomes an efficient farmer can protect their crops. Therefore, every one of us has planted a seed. The promised Messiah was explaining this by addressing those people who were in front of him. And today we are the ones who are being addressed. And thus we have planted a seed by accepting Ahmadiyyat. However, only God Almighty knows what is destined for who. But the fortunate one is he who protects this seed and prays for its progress. For instance, one should see an improvement in their prayers. They should be paying attention towards their prayers. It is not sufficient to simply construct a mosque. Rather, one should then make an effort to fulfill the due rights of the mosque. Then another very important advice the Promised Messiah has given to the community, which I would like to present before you, the Promised Messiah states, The present age is deteriorating and many forms of shirk are associating partners with God and harmful innovations and other forms of corruption have emerged. The affirmation made at the time of the birth, i.e. the oath of initiation, wherein one pledges to give precedence to one's faith over all worldly matters, is a pledge made before God Almighty. Thus one ought to remain established upon this pledge till their death. Otherwise, consider yourself to have not taken the bath. However, if you remain true to this pledge, then God Almighty shall bless your faith and your worldly endeavours too. Adopt righteousness in accordance to the will of God Almighty. We are passing through extremely perilous times, and the divine wrath is being manifested. One who fashions himself according to the will of God Almighty shall be showing mercy on his own soul and his future progeny. If we reflect upon the wrath of God Almighty, which the promised Messiah has said is being manifested, we can now see from the official facts and figures that the world has never witnessed so many earthquakes and storms as it has in the last hundred years. Even here in the USA, countless storms and torrential rain is witnessed, and each time it is said that such and such incident hasn't happened in the last 500 years or 100 years or this many decades, etc. 
Thus, one ought to ponder over this. The worldly people will not be able to understand this, but we know that this is the manifestation of God Almighty's displeasure. And the promised Messiah has given an open warning in relation to these matters. Therefore we need to pay attention towards our reformation. And we also need to inform the world that these calamities are not ordinary occurrences, rather they have been prophesied a hundred years ago. And now there is only one way to be saved from these, and that is for man to come close to God Almighty. If one does not take heed now, then it would be impossible to be saved from these. Similarly, man has created many other difficulties for himself. For instance, there are the wars, and the cruelty that is being perpetrated on one another. And the ultimate conclusion will be that when cruelties reach at extreme levels according to God Almighty, although we find them to be at its most extreme level already, but God Almighty grants reprieve. However, when those cruelties reach as extreme in the eyes of God Almighty, then those nations who perpetrate these cruelties will be destroyed. And only those people shall be saved regarding whom the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, has stated in one of his couplets that there is fire but all those shall be saved from it who have love for the omnipotent God. Therefore, one needs to pay particular focus towards this in order to save oneself and also the world in general. Moreover, we need to make a concerted effort with all our faculties and abilities as to how we can attain God Almighty. The promised Messiah further states, A person eats bread, and until he does not eat his stomachs full, he will continue until his hunger is satiated. If he eats a tiny piece, will he be able to save himself from hunger? Certainly not. If one puts a single drop down his throat, that will not be enough to save himself, and he will eventually die. The promised Messiah further states, In order to safeguard one's life, one has to eat and drink the minimum amount required to keep one alive, otherwise one cannot survive. There is a minimum amount of food that needs to be eaten, and in the same way, a minimum amount to drink, otherwise one cannot stay alive. This is the same case for one's affairs relating to faith. If one does not possess the minimum amount of spirituality required, one cannot stay alive. Faith, righteousness and fulfilling the commandments of God Almighty should be performed to the same extent as is the case with one's intake of food and drink. That is, one should continue to eat and drink until one is satiated. The promised Messiah further states, Remember that there, is, there are certain commandments of God Almighty which if they are not fulfilled is akin to neglecting all his commandments. If one devotes a certain portion to Satan and another for God Almighty, then know that God Almighty does not like to share that which is supposed to be exclusively his. This community has been established so that one is drawn towards God Almighty. Even though it is an arduous task for one to come close to God Almighty and requires one to undergo a kind of death, but in the end one also attains a new life from this very act. One who discards the satanic aspects from within becomes a blessed individual and one's house, soul and one's entire city receives those blessings. However, if one only partakes very little from this, then he will not acquire these blessings. 
Until one does not practically demonstrate his bayat, the bayat is of no significance. If, if one verbally proclaims many things before someone, but practically does nothing, then these mere utterances will not please that person. The same is in the case with God Almighty. His sense of honor is far greater than anyone else's. Thus can it be possible that on the one hand you obey him, and yet on the other hand you also obey his enemies. This is called hypocrisy. In such instances one should not be concerned about anyone else and remain true to his pledge of giving precedence to faith of all worldly things till one's last breath. The promised Messiah then states, Evil is of two types. One is to associate partners with God Almighty, to be ignorant of his greatness, and to show indolence in his worship and obedience. And the second type is failing to show compassion towards his creation and also failing to fulfill their due rights. Thus, one ought to refrain from both forms of evil and remain occupied in the obedience of God Almighty and remain firmly established on the pledge you have made in the bath. One should not cause any harm to God's creation and greatly ponder over the Holy Quran and adhere to it. Refrain from all kinds of gatherings where people ridicule and mock others and also associate partners with God. Observe the five daily prayers in short, one should not abandon a single commandment of God Almighty. Keep your exterior clean, as well as purifying your hearts from all kinds of malice, hatred and jealousy. This is what God Almighty desires from you. May God Almighty enable us to bring about pure changes within ourselves, whilst fulfilling the due rights of our bad. And may we, whilst living in this very world, fulfill our pledge of giving precedence to our faith over all worldly matters. And may we act according to the instructions of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam, and keeping in view of the tenth condition of the bed, which states to obey all maruf decisions, may we understand the true essence of the obedience of God Almighty and attain those standards as a result of which we become the recipients of God Almighty's blessings which he has promised to the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam. يَعِزُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ 
اذکر اللہ یذکرکم و ذکر اللہ اکبر